there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode by episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it truly, well, I don't know how to say this, we go to Alaska. It's truly Alaskan today. Truly, truly, truly Alaskan. Drawn by someone who has a vague understanding that there's snow in Alaska. With a story written by somebody who doesn't understand that if you fall into the water in Alaska, you're probably dead. Yeah... Season 2, episode 20, Middle of Nowhere, a.k.a. episode 46. This one was written by Chris Pelzer. This is his only episode of Gem. But dang, guys, this hits all the notes to be a very Gem episode. Yeah, he got it. He did good. He was also an associate producer of My Little Pony and Friends and The Inhumanoids. And, uh, get this, guys. Academy Award winner. For what? For best live-action short film for something he directed in 1986 called Molly's Pilgrim. So we can say Academy Award winner Chris Pelzer then. Exactly. We open on Daddy Gabor Bucks, so you know this episode is gonna hurt. <laughs> oh, right in the feelings. I mean, you, you just you just brace for impact from the moment you hear him. We start with Daddy Gabor Bucks, Eric, and Pizzazz in the same room, so you especially know it's going to hurt. First off, he's surrounded by a whole bunch of assistants, and he's giving a whole bunch of orders, and an assistant tells Pizzazz they can't get her scheduled for a meeting with her father today. It's just not possible. Uh, Pizzazz, girl. But Pizzazz just starts screaming, Daddy! Sure, that's one way to get his attention. Daddy Gaborbox is like, Phyllis, can't you see I'm taking care of business? Every day. I'm glad it's not me that went there. Pizzazz is here to talk about business. He's overjoyed. Eric shoves forward about uh, how vinyl is made of oil. And you can find oil near the Alaskan pipeline. If you could get, you know, access to this Alaskan pipeline area, then, you know, you could make a ton of money by making super cheap vinyl. And then he could be making billions. Billions and billions. Like my brain immediately went to a Carl Sagan place and never left. I mean, it's not a bad place to go. In a weird bit of continuity, Gabor is also like, Oh, I don't know. You did ruin my movie studio and I lost millions. So, Daddy Gaborbucks decides he wants Pizzazz to make sure that Eric doesn't screw up, which is like getting a kindergartner to watch your dog. He's gonna give him the deadline of a week, at which time he'll meet them in Alaska. If it checks out, he'll sign the paperwork. And then he says to Pizzazz, Make me proud of you, sweetheart. Oh, oh. He's not already proud of her? She's an international rock star. She's one of the most famous musicians in the entire world. Not enough. Anyway, speaking of dads. Uh, it's Bonnie time. Uh, she's upset because her pen pal up in Alaska uh, has found out that all the seals might die. Her, this girl's name is Utu. She has a pet seal. Seals are food, not friends. Also, this is one of those episodes where they forgot what Rhea's skin tone was. So she's like really pale throughout the whole thing. She's got the exact same skin tone as Jerrica, and it is painful. Quick aside here about Utu, because we see a picture of her. The style that they drew her in is slightly more photorealistic than the rest of the more simplistic character designs in Gem, so she always looks like she came out of some other cartoon show. Yeah, it's like Swiftwind being hella over-rendered in every She-Ra episode. Utu is sad because somebody's trying to buy this island that's also like a huge seal habitat, and Utu's worried about her pet seal buddy. Jerrica just sort of marches in along with Rhea, and Jerrica's like, well, we're going to be in Alaska soon for a tour. What? We'll have some time on our hands. 
Alaska City? Like, is it a tour of Alaska, or do you have, like, one stop in Anchorage, and then you decide that's enough of Alaska, and you go home? It looks like they're touring in the middle of winter. That's not something you want to do in Alaska. Maybe they're on their way over to Russia? I mean, it's the 80s. It could be a Goodwill tour. They went to China. They can go to Russia. Why isn't there a gem episode titled something like Rockin' Behind the Iron Curtain? Oh, dang! Why didn't that happen? Now I'm really mad that, like, the gem comic takes place in the modern setting because I want to see that incredibly 80s episode. So, did somebody say I did, Rod? No, I don't think so. Well, nuts to that. Let's watch Balto 4 making mischief. Oh, what's really great about these dog sleds is there's only, like, four dogs to a sled. Those are not enough dogs. What's also great is they're like, yeah, Eric, you just didn't want to splurge on a plane, but I'm pretty sure that, like, little planes are so common in Alaska, they're cheaper than dog sleds. And uh, apparently, like, the dog's handler didn't come along with them. They just, they looked at Eric and the misfits and said, yes, you seem like you should be in charge of another living thing. So this is Atok Island. It's not a real island, but one of the two islands this could be referencing, which is in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, it could be referencing Atu Island, which is one of the larger islands in the Aleutian chain. It's also the westernmost point of land relative to Alaska and the entirety of North America. So I'd like to imagine that they're just taking dog sleds all the way out there. Meanwhile, the holograms rented a plane. And also, Bonnie came along to visit her pen pal Utu, and also Utu is here, and she asked the pilot to show them some of the sights on Atuk. Well, oh, oh, I guess it's a song now. In the land of the midnight sun. I'm pretty sure this song, which is In the Land of the Midnight Sun, is like an ad for Alaskan air in 1986. And it shows off a lot of really beautiful landscapes that we will never see again because the rest of the episode is just beaches and icebergs. I mean, there's not really a whole lot of content in this song. It's mostly just platitudes about how beautiful it is where it's very, very cold. No mention of the fact that it's, you know, very difficult to get affordable food up there. Lots of people live in poverty. Incredibly dangerous considering lots of the wildlife. They have this thing where they shoot wolves from planes and it's not cool. All right, so the holograms deboard the plane in their fashionable but not at all serviceable winter outfits. Y'all are gonna die. Oh, they're gonna die so hard. They're from SoCal. They don't know how to handle this. Utu introduces us to her family. And she she introduces her parents as Mr. and Mrs. Kamiak. Or Keniak, according to the subtitles. Also, her brother George is here. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that the children of this family are named Utu and George? George is the only member of the family who's not dressed in a parka, and he has a Western name, so this is probably going to be some kind of, like, interesting story about embracing your roots and the decline of indigenous cultures in Canada and Alaska, and maybe something about preserving the culture? Nope, it's about saving seals. It's about saving cute little seals from a record factory. Yeah, seals are cute. But it's right there. Nope, we're doing seals today. Seals are cute. I do love Utu and George. It looks like there was a very clear dispute between the parents over how their children should be named. And so they compromised. It also looks like the Kenyaks basically adopted potentially Ilution Rob Paulson. Rob frickin' Paulson's back. <laughs> and speaking of that, we should probably note that now that the whole Kenyak family is here, uh, we think these guys are Ilution asterisk maybe? It's not made clear. They are possibly some sort of Inuit, possibly some sort of other indigenous Alaskan group. It, it never says. And whoops, uh, here comes Eric Raymond. 
Eric Raymond's apparently been dealing with George trying to buy this island from Mr. Kenniak, and George is really eager to make money and get out of there. Apparently the only thing that's standing in the way is Utu saying, but what about the seals over and over again? Nobody seems to be concerned that in a remote community like this, those seals are probably a major food source. They're just so cute. You don't eat cute things. My favorite part about this scene is that Eric Raymond comes up and instantly starts talking with George and the other Kenyaks. And it's not until Jem says, hi, Eric, that he turns around and realizes that he somehow overlooked the gigantic pastel pile of glitter. And he's like, Jem and the holograms. When Jem says hi, Eric, too, it sounds weirdly like Pizzazz is saying it rather than Jem. Because she says it in the same tenor. It's weirdly cheerful, too. Wouldn't it be great if they were actually trying to be friends with Eric and the Misfits and they always respond with, like, blank horror whenever they see the holograms? Oh, that'd be great. But yeah, this entire episode is just environmentalism versus capitalism. It's very frustrating. So Mr. Kenniak is like, kids, stop bickering. Eric will have an answer for you tomorrow. And Eric's like, but I need to know this afternoon. And he probably said several times in the negotiations, I'm going to need to know by this day in the afternoon. Kenniak's like, tomorrow. This is fine. Don't worry about it. Bye. Get out. Seals. Christmas sweaters for everybody. Thank you, Miss Weasley. Everybody, it turns out, was wearing big Christmas sweaters that are apparently fashionable for the 80s underneath their hilariously unprepared winter gear. Because we head inside and everybody chills out and Bonnie and Utu clean dishes and Utu cries over the seals. He's like, why don't you go see Naku, your seal? And Utu's like, no, I have to do chores. And then a bunch of the holograms, basically all the holograms except for Jem, are like, well, we can do your chores for you. How hard can a little girl's chores be? Famous last words. They also invite Jem to be the responsible adult, which historically is a very bad idea. When has that ever worked out for anybody? Let's talk about the literacy treasure hunt where she interpreted can't help children solve clues to can't help children get medical assistance. So Bonnie really wants to get into like the kayak by herself. And everybody's like, you've not done this before, Bonnie. That's a dumb idea. Utu gets to do it because she's done this her whole life. And Bonnie's like, I know I can do it. Yeah, Bonnie apparently feels strongly about dads and kayaks. Utu also explains before they head out that they have to go the long way around the island to get to the cove where the seals are because there's a small strait with a strong current. She says if the tide's coming in, you get pulled into these rocks. If the tide's going out, you get pulled into the icebergs. So that won't be relevant. It's even got a little map which implies that this island is directly off the coast of Alaska, but like... I don't know that I can believe that map because this cartoon doesn't have a great track record. Looking at you, Aztec Enchantment. What I love about this this map, though, is that it marks Attic Island and then the rest of it is just Alaska. There are two parts to Alaska, as everybody knows. This one island with some seals on it and Alaska. Meanwhile, at the airport, Eric is like, well, no, I didn't get the signature, but George wants to sell the island, but Utu cares about seals, so he just sort of catches us up here. Daddy Gaborbucks calls in as he's flying overhead and says, so am I landing? Do we have the papers ready? Did they sign? And Eric's like, not yet. To which Daddy Gaborbucks is quite annoyed until Pizzazz grabs the microphone and says, they're signing tomorrow morning, Daddy. And Daddy Gaborbucks says, well, okay, I'll swim back. The other way on my way to the Yukon. Where is he going that the Yukon is on his way back? I don't know. Russia? Is he in a Concord? 
Where is he going? Does he have a deal to make on the other side of the continent? Is he headed to the North Pole? What's going on? What kind of business was, does Daddy Gaborbucks do? Space business. Anyway, Daddy Gaborbucks does this whole, like, warning pizzazz to have the papers ready tomorrow morning thing, and that, that's just kind of the end of that scene. Yeah, uh, right before he snipes out, don't disappoint me again, Phyllis. Oh, why? Why? <laughs> oh, God. And like, these are just the tiny little pebbles that sort of bounce off the rocks where you can tell that the rest of the rock slide is coming. We're going to be hurting by the end of this episode. You can just tell. So how hard can a little girl's chores be? Apparently a little girl's chores include chopping an enormous wood pile. I get the feeling some of these are George's chores. It's like 10 feet high. George is like, is it too much? To which Aja brandishes an axe at him and says, we'll get it done. I love Aja. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've arrived at the seals and they're probably politely ignoring the smell. I mean, it's a whole cove full of seals. Yeah, they probably smell like poop. It's got to smell like manure and wet dog and old leather down there. And old fish. It's not going to be great. They're just delighted, though, because Utu's like, there's Naku. He's a little darker than the other seals, and he's a troublemaker. You had to pick the one jerk seal. That's the, you looked at that one and said, yes, that's the one. That's my buddy. That one's my pet, apparently. I don't think this girl understands what the word pet means. This is a wild animal that you hang out with sometimes. He's more like a sidekick. So back at the Mountain of Firewood, George is very excited about being rich after selling the island and he'll never have to work again. And Kimber's like, well, what'll happen to the seals? Not what's going to happen to the indigenous culture around here. It's the seals that are important. And George is like, well, come on, they're cute. But what have any of those seals ever done for us? George! Everyone else in your family is wearing parkas. Probably made of seal leather. What the hell is George's deal? George. So, uh, seals. Seals are cute. Seals are super cute, guys. Let's look at some seals some more. George is also like, look, I'm gonna make sure Utu goes to college, and Ray is like, but what about the seals? What about the seals? Utu can apparently summon Naku. She has that power. She basically just summons the seal that apparently knows its name. So, this kid's at least a level 10 hunter? She's definitely done some adventure paths. She's, uh, she's pretty good there. Wait, were we talking about Warcraft or were we talking about Pathfinder? Either. Jem's like, wow, this is great. Have you brought your brother here? And Utu's like, yes. Yes, I have. Have you been here? We're standing in piles, piles of seal feces right now. I don't think this is going to change George's mind. And it hasn't. And then Bonnie is like, well, while you're distracted, everybody look at me. I'm going to take out the Kai. Oh, no, I immediately got caught in Chekhov's straight. Bonnie has like zero survival instincts whatsoever. I can do this kayak by myself. Oh, no, there's a whirlpool. How often does Bonnie end up in lethal danger just by virtue of her own bad judgment? It's a lot. This is someone who climbed into a bear pit. To prove that somebody's her dad. It's weird that she's ended up in lethal danger and her dad is not involved at all. Anyway, commercial break. Bonnie's about to die in a whirlpool. You did not buy enough Bonnie dolls. This is what happens. So Utu and Jem take out the two-person kayak and Utu rams the kayak into Bonnie's and they use that to pull her in while the whirlpool chews up the other kayak. They don't themselves get pulled into the whirlpool for whatever reason? Utu's really good at kayak. Then they scratch up against a small chunk of ice and Jem is immediately like, oh my god, oh my god, we're going to die, we're going to die, we just have to jump into the water, abandon ship, we're all going to die. 
It's like a little tiny scratch on the side of the kayak, but no abandoned ship. Right into the Alaskan waters, which notably, if you're in and not generally saved by Coast Guard within like 30 seconds of getting to those waters, you're dead. Yeah, that water's cold. Let's add some fun to that. Jem slips and hits her head on the boat and then goes unconscious in the waters. Good job being the responsible adult, Jem. Good job. You're now being rescued by two eight-year-old girls. And seals! Naku the seal is now your new responsible adult. He's probably going to do a better job at it than Jem. He brings in some other seals and the girls get drugged to safety while just sort of toting Jem along. Like, I think they're severely overestimating the intelligence of seals. And the empathy, I would imagine. Well, at least they're not sea lions. Those are basically reincarnated Hell's Angels. Meanwhile, the misfits are on snowmobiles since they're stuck here another day. And when I was trying to remember what those things were called, I actually googled jet skis but on the snow. It worked. I found snowmobile. Good job, Annie. I did it. Thanks, Google. Then they're like, hey, let's make mischief. Making mischief. I guess it's actually making mischief again. I was used to just saying they make mischief a lot. I wasn't expecting the actual song to happen again. It's like this show headed you off at the pass. They really did. I mean, I just gotten used to this song being incidental music. We haven't seen this since like, what, episode two? It's been episode two. I had to like quadruple check that. I don't think we've actually had this song since episode two and I don't understand. It's the Ur Mischief song. It is. I mean, the the music video itself is they just they just hang out and screw up the town. After they make mischief, we immediately are just like, well, that's enough misfits. Jem's still unconscious. Yeah, Jem is like unconscious for a really long time, which is super bad for you. And she's probably got hypothermia and she doesn't die. They're all wearing parkas that are soaked with this cold water. They don't take off their soaked parkas that are probably freezing solid. Utu has figured out that they can just like, I guess she always carries what she calls matches dipped in wax. So, you know, they won't get soaked. So she makes a fire and she's just like, it's cool. We'll just make a fire. Someone will find us. We'll build up some smoke. This, this tiny fire will keep us totally warm. Chill out, Bonnie. Jem's probably going to die. It's fine. Chill out, Bonnie. We're all going to die. They don't even, like, try to warm her up, aside from, like, shuffling her slightly closer to the fire. Meanwhile, while Jem is slowly dying of hypothermia, we see the misfits over on, I guess it's the mainland, but they've got their ski and binoculars. They spot Jem and the girls, and Stormer is like, let's go for help, and Pizzazz is like, no, no. And I think she's going to say in something illegal, and instead she's like, what if we rescue them? If we rescue the Kenyak's little girl, they'll definitely sell the island to us. This is probably the smartest idea Pizzazz has had and also simultaneously the dumbest. Because are the misfits really equipped to rescue anybody? They can't rescue themselves. They fell down a gumball hole. And then there's this great exchange where Pizzazz is getting in the boat. They're trying to decide who should go with Pizzazz. Jetta taps out. Roxy makes fun of her. And then Jetta snaps, mind your manners, colonist. That does it, though. It's Pizzazz and Jetta to the rescue. Meanwhile, back at the Kenyak's house, George apologizes for snapping, but he's like, no, it's cool. The money's going to be great for everybody selling the island. This will be our entire future. And Mr. Kenyak's like, wait a minute. Where's Utsu? Okay, question. How is that kid out where there's dangerous, dangerous waters and wild animals? How is this kid not out with a walkie-talkie? You would think that would be standard. You would think, like some kind of water-resistant walkie-talkie. 
Especially because I imagine anyone in Alaska knows that if somebody's going off into the wilderness without like a walkie-talkie or like a sat phone or something, if you don't hear from them by the time you're supposed to, they're probably dead. Alaska has killed them. Alaska has just turned from them and claimed another to sacrifice into its maw. And then it takes like another couple of scenes while like the misfits sort of putter around and Jim is still dead for Mr. Kenny activity. Oh, maybe we should have a rescue party. He's like, oh, I'm really worried now. Really? You weren't worried before now? He keeps talking about how they have to go out before the fog comes in, which I guess that's also a concern, but maybe just try to get her out before they freeze to death somewhere. Yeah, you know, the sun sets and it gets really cold. In general. So we flip back to the campsite. Bonnie is just sort of looking at Jem and begging her to wake up. Maybe check for a pulse, honey. And Utu, meanwhile, is like, I wonder where my pet seal is. Utu, I think you have larger concerns, like not death. Seals are the most important things. Speaking of larger concerns, Pizzazz and Jetta immediately get pulled into the strait, into the icebergs. Chekhov's lethal danger again. They have some really, truly frightening screams of terror here about how it's too late and they're going to die. And as they're dodging icebergs, they come up on two icebergs slowly coming together and the current is taking them right between those two icebergs and commercial break memento mori the misfits are about to get crushed by icebergs man we cut to like an overhead shot and we hear those two icebergs crashing together they're dead they're so dead basically the rest of the show is just a death dream of pizzazz and jetta and jim and bonnie and utu i guess it wasn't that the plot of lost anyway the misfits are not crushed by icebergs they narrowly avoid Avoid it because Pizzazz started rowing. And to Pizzazz, who did not die, Scrooge became like a second father. Finally, Jem has woken up. And they're like, Jem, what are we going to do? And her first thing is, we're not going to panic. Jem, you've been unconscious for hours. She probably has brain damage. Being unconscious that long is super bad for you. You're wearing a frozen parka. You're still wet. There's no way that Jem is fine here, but she's like, it's okay, everybody. We're not going to panic. Utu's been not panicking for hours, Jem. Utu's probably got a better handle on the situation than you do. So the search parties head out. They've got the plane from the beginning of the episode. They've got a couple of boats going out. One of the search parties, they find the wrecked kayak, the single person one, and they radio for the Kenyaks to tell them the news. And as soon as that scene is over, Shayna and the pilot find the misfit. And, like, the plane is dodging icebergs to rescue the misfits. They make an emergency water landing. The misfits pile into the plane as it takes off. And then they, like, dodge two more icebergs as they head out. And what's really great is the pilot says, this is how we make an emergency landing as he's making the emergency landing. I know these are icebergs and not glaciers, but I still like the idea that you could be surprised by these things existing around the area. Oh no, icebergs. Who could have guessed? Meanwhile, back in the Kenyak's boat, George is like, oh no, I never should have fought with Utu. Seals really are great. And speaking of seals, they find Naku and some other seals playing with Bonnie's hat that she had lost earlier. I think they're trying to tell us something. Lassie, take us to the well. First off, Rhea can identify Naku? Despite the fact that his only defining trait is darker than other seals. And she has never seen him before. 
She's seen like a picture, maybe. Maybe she just thinks that every seal they encounter is Naku. And Rhea's like, Naku knows where they are. Naku's just playing with a hat. Naku's gonna lead us to them. Naku's playing with a hat. Naku's playing with a salt and snow encrusted hat. If anything, this is an indicator that Bonnie is dead. Yeah, it's not like Naku picked that up from their lifeless bodies. It's Naku must know where a living Bonnie is. But it works. The seals actually lead them to the frickin' okay. Why? How? I don't know. Again, vastly overestimating the intelligence and altruism of seals. As soon as they come back, I assume this is the next morning, probably because Eric arrives again. And Eric's like, hey, so can we, like, tear down this entire freaking island and build a factory? And they're like, well, can you save the cove for the seals? And he's like, no. What? No. And George decides not to sell because a seal saved his little sister. And the seals are too pretty. And cute. And good. And pure. And kind. And definitely not animals with mouths with rows of pointy teeth. And then they hear a plane. Pizzazz realizes that they gotta get on the radio, and they manage to get there just in time. Oh, man. They report in that the papers are not signed, and they're not going to sell. And frickin' Daddy Gaborbox says the words, Phyllis, I thought you were finally going to make me proud of you. Oh my god! Oh my god! He says there's no reason to land. I'll see you at home in a few days. Oh my god! Rip my heart out of my chest, why don't ya? Pizzazz's mother didn't want her. Pizzazz's father doesn't seem to care. How is he not proud of her? She's an international rock star. I mean, yes, she racks up a lot of bills, but she came in second in the Indy 500. She's been in a movie that was probably a cult classic 30 years later. She went to China. She's done almost everything that the holograms have done. And the episode doesn't even give us time to dwell on this before it's like, Jem, will you sing a song for us in the seals? Seals don't have external ears. Oh, and also, it's Rio and the equipment. Why wasn't Rio flying the plane since he had a plane back in the Alps episode? Would you really trust Rio not to crash into those icebergs? I don't trust Rio with anything, but I'm just, you know, wondering. Just me and Jem. Me and Jem. Nobody else on the plane. Just me and Jem and Jerrica all on the plane. Jem and Jerrica are gonna like my plane. Uh, luckily, Rio doesn't have any lines in this episode. He just shows up and puts his hand possessively on Jem's hip. Yay. And then she just sort of extracts from that situation to sing a song. Called Safe and Sound. I had to triple check. This is an original song. Uh, I get the feeling this will show up a lot more often because it's very generic. I mean, it might. And it is hopelessly generic. It's another song that, like, Happy Endings was trying to be. Except this one is generic, but at least not offensively bad. And it's another one of those music videos that just takes clips from the episode that we just watched, like we didn't see it the first time. I like this one almost as much as I like that recap one from Believe in Yourself from back at the beginning of season two, because that one reanimated the same scene, but in slightly different ways. This one just directly uses footage. There's also a moment where Jem becomes the sun. Once the song is done, we get this scene of the misfits and Eric arguing near the dog sleds. Eric is like, well, you may be mad at me, but you still left a dog sled for me. And Pizzazz was like, nope, and leaves him to die in the Arctic. Eric just sort of chases after them, begging, saying, I'll sell a million of your new records. I'll pay for your next hairstyling. I'll, I'll do anything. Don't let me freeze to death out here. How expensive is Pizzazz's hair that Eric covering the cost is just below selling a million records on the things to do for Pizzazz list? So that was the episode. Middle of nowhere. Eric has been left to die in the Arctic. Alaska hates you. 
remember that. You know what I learned, guys? That seals are cute? I learned that seals are adorable. Okay, so this was our Alaskan episode. Next time we're going to go over to England where it is still medieval times. That's how England works, right? That's how Renaissance fairs work, right? Everybody's in character all the time. And also people who are ancestrally in charge of a castle actually still have claims to the land and people around it. Still legal to shoot a Welshman after midnight? Probably. It's Renaissance woman. It's also a dance episode. So Max going to be tapping out of that one. Yes. Our pinch hitter will be Dimly, who you may have seen around Twitter, maybe Tumblr. They did a really great Let's Play of a gem choose your own adventure book, which I didn't know existed. So look forward to that. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter and Tumblr. We are at the Gem Jam just about everywhere, except on Twitter where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and you want to support us, a like, review, rating, subscribe, whatever, wherever you find our podcast, always it will be super helpful. iTunes in particular, they don't give us any other metrics besides like a like or a review. If you have a couple bucks kicking around, you can send that our way to patreon.com slash the gem jam. For a couple bucks a month, you can get some cool bonus features. So join us for Renaissance Woman next time. And until then, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we'll remind you that a spoonful of outrageousness makes the medicine go down.